0: Hi friends, welcome to Audiobook Reviews in 5. This is Jana, also known as Jana. In today's extended episode, I chat with Elena Ayakono. Elena is a professional colleague of mine who helps empower people to support their well-being and mental health, including flexible resources and compassionate workplace practices. Elena has inspired me with her passion for exploring food and gardening. When her grandmother died in April 2020, during the early days of the pandemic, Elena lovingly replicated her nona's cherished recipes in a cookbook, which she used to raise more than $60,000 for Food Bank Canada, roughly the equivalent of 200,000 meals. Elena and I share a love of nonfiction, especially evidence-based work about well-being and managing mental health. Our conversation today includes highlights of our favourite recent books – our reflections on leaving the pandemic with new insights about what it means to care for ourselves, and the power of curiosity and our environment to lift our spirits. You can find links to the resources and books we discuss in my show notes. And now I bring you Elena Ayakono. Elena, thanks so much for coming to the podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: This is a podcast typically about audiobooks, and I know that we've had a few preliminary chats about what you like to read and some of the topics you're interested in. Are you an audiobook fan, though, just for our listeners so they know?
1: I get that audiobooks are very convenient. You can put them on and listen to your favorite books while you're out, walking around, uh, working out, doing whatever, but I prefer to um, actually buy books and have the experience of being able to read through. I like to take notes in the margin, uh, and I just love, love paper books.
0: There's something special about a tactile experience,
1: right? I think so. I think so. And just even just like the smelling of the pages and then just, you know, putting the book down when I'm reflecting on anything that may be have uh, been an interesting passage. It's just part of the experience, and it's just yeah. that hands-on, hands-on learning.
0: You can't be writing your own your own notes as well. I love that for uh, hard copies.
1: Oh, yeah. My books are, and I always, people, I actually also, I don't like to lend my books to people. I'm like, well, I don't know. I, uh, someone <laughs> wants to read it next because I'm scared I'm never going to get them back. I do lend my books to my neighbors, but I, I always follow up. When are you going to give them back to me? I just really love my book collection. And, um, you know, growing up, my mom always said, you know, just never worry about the money to buy books, buy the books, And so I literally spend so much money on books every month and my husband also doesn't seem to really mind either. So it's good. It's a win-win for me.
0: (laughs) There's worse things to be addicted to, right?
1: I think so. I think so.
0: Well, one of the things that you are famous for, um, if anyone follows you on Instagram, they know you have these stunning flower photos and you do flower arrangements as well as growing your own flowers. And recently, You've started to talk a little bit about a topic that I don't really know much about, so I'd love to hear your take on this. You've used the term ecopsychology and this is a new term for me. Can you talk a little bit about what ecopsychology means?
1: Yeah, ecopsychology is such an interesting it's an interesting area and I know people may think it's really dry, but it it's 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 grounded in psychology, it's grounded in clinical research, it's evidence-based, uh, and ecopsychology along with horticultural therapy looks at um, our relationships with nature, how profound they are in terms of our own well-being and what are the reasons why or, or, or what is it about um, nature that really calls, calls our attention and, and really has helped us shift our approach to total health. And so I think the pandemic, obviously, uh, past 17 months has really proven that. Um, and eco-psychology, I think, is such a fascinating area to consider because um nature's always been on the back burner. You know, we've always been, we're so busy all the time and we're so distracted but what is it that one thing that stabilized us and I think it was nature and slowly but surely people of all ages and all genders um, and all identifications were taking to trees or flowers or just you know taking their hand at planting some basil or whatever um, but it really gave us something to reflect on and think about. And if if you're interested in reading the, more about the topic, um, there's a plethora of books and research that are available. Um, why don't I send you a bunch of lists of sure. some names? This way you can give it to your listeners. Um, but the only thing I would say, my caveat is, I really am spending time looking at stuff that's grounded in peer-reviewed journals, evidence-based. Um, I know that the wellness industry is is full of trends um, but I think the things that really do help us support our overall well-being are based on uh, evidence-based practices. So all to say, um, nature is so compelling and my my own flower garden, my own roses, everything I've been planting, I think has absolutely sustained me through, throughout this time. Um, and I think going forward, I know that it'll keep me, keep me well. And my whole aim with why I'm researching eco-psychology is really to inspire people to not forget about the fact that nature held us up. And uh, there's something to be said about that. It's so interesting. It's really
0: interesting, too, that you're linking this to COVID because, like you said, a lot of people turn to nature and flowers, trees, gardening, um, just enjoying the landscape during covid And I want to look at this from a personal angle as well, because you've expressed it so beautifully through your Instagram and through some of what we've talked about and offline. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned about your resilience and coping skills during COVID and which ideas helps you to be resilient, whether it's related to eco-psychology or other ideas?
1: It's a good question, because I think we've all gone through a period of growth and we're growing every day. Pandemic or not, and we're going to continue to evolve. But I think some of the some of the some of the ideas that have been circulating in my mind really do stem from a variety of different books. Uh, one particular, written by uh, Harvard Professor Francesca Gino, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, I actually was so lucky to get her attention. She's busy., uh, she's got like, five kids and she's a Harvard professor and she's writing a bunch of books. We had an Instagram live and uh, in her book, Rebel Talent, she talks about five character traits that um, people who really do try to stand up to life and its challenges um, um, exude. So, And one of them was curiosity. And one of them was, yes, of course, resiliency, which is such an overused term. Um, But really, Thinking about what makes us strong, um, you know, I've, I've set up boundaries like so many people have, I'm not alone in that, and really just sticking to um, our own convictions. And I think this has been a time of, it's been a hard time, and I, I when people tell me, oh, but there's a silver lining, no, people have died, mm-hmm. people have lost time, people have uh, lost jobs, and so on – of course, we want to we want to ground ourselves in looking for things that are good that have come out of this, um, but we can't forget that it's been a really dark time. But I think coming out of this, you know, we've re- reimagined who we are, what we stand for, and I think those are some of the values that have carried me through this. And um, yeah, I mean, we're all we're all coming out of this stronger. And the the the, the notion of setting boundaries and um, just sticking true to my own values is something that I have personally thought about, and that's helped me. Uh, keep carrying on. Absolutely,
0: and one of the words you mentioned, curiosity. I actually like that better than resilience because I think I agree with you. Resilience is everywhere. It's a it's a buzzword. Um, it's meaningful, but curiosity has the benefit of being entertaining and fun. And resilience can sound a little bit like you're going to work hard and you know stay optimistic. And and there's There's a sense of grittiness to it. And again, the word grit is also popular, but curiosity is linked to our imagination and what brings us outside of our routine or outside of thoughts that maybe aren't very helpful to us in moving forward or connecting with people or being happy or wherever we are. So I'd love to hear more about maybe a book that inspired you or captured your imagination. It uh, made you feel curious to learn more, and then why was that?
1: Well, I think the the, the concept of curiosity uh, it comes out of a book that I think we both we've both read, Understanding Anxiety. The author is yeah. escaping me, um, and I know that Brewer. you did a review. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, I don't have my book in front of me, but um, that one there you know, the whole idea of curiosity is, you know, looking at something through a different lens or asking yourself, why am I feeling like this? What's causing this anxiety? You know, why do I feel like I'm not measuring up? And that all of these questions come down to not insecurity, existential crises. I'm telling you, we are all, whether or not we know it or not, and I'm not trying to take us down a doom and gloom path. We're all preoccupied with what lies ahead And really what that is, is that our days really are numbered. And um, so idea here is thinking about how do we maximize our time? How do we make the most of every day? How do we turn our lives into something that offers value, purpose? That stuff causes so much anxiety. But if you stay curious, if you think about asking yourself, what's right for me? Forget about what everyone else is doing. I think that'll help us. And I think one book that, that I keep going, one author that I keep going back to is Matt Haig. Right. And the min- the Midnight Library is such a fascinating book. I know that you also reviewed that one and mm-hmm. I was looking at your I list. Love I'm like it. we have we have so many books in common. Um, <laughs> but the Midnight Library for me offers a chance for us to think about all the options and choices that we may have taken or maybe not have taken and being comfortable with where we are right now. It's so hard, but it's so basic if you look at it and um, yeah, I mean, there's something powerful in the ordinary. And I think, uh, you know, every day over the past course of history, recent history for us, is that we've been so worried about the fact that we're missing out on things. Yeah, we yeah. have. But I think we've we've tapped into things that are ordinary, like roses, like nature, like whatever, of is of interest to us to, to keep going by. And um, there's power in that. And, yeah. you know, I, I know... You, I know you love to walk outside and you also take some gorgeous photos and you Thank admire you. things. So I think just um, just staying open to um, what's in front of us, I think that keeps mm-hmm. us really, really healthy and, and, and really focused on what matters most for us.
0: I agree. And one of the ideas in the Midnight Library that captured my imagination, because I loved this audiobook as well, is. The idea that you know we have these infinite number of lives and if we just chose another one, maybe it would be triggered by a tiny decision that we made at a certain age and that would lead us down a completely different path. And I think all of us play this game or we do this thought experiment at least once in our lives or we think, what if I'd taken the road less traveled? What if I'd made a different decision? But what I think Matt Haig does so well in that book is he shows the range of lives possible that aren't necessarily um, better or glamorous or exciting. There are those lives. So in the book, there's one life where she ends up being a rock star. Um, There's another one where she ends up being a glaciologist. And they're fascinating, but there's a certain ordinariness. There's a sort of everyday quality the main character has to contend with just existing and dealing with the ordinary and that you can't escape the ordinary. And so what I find really powerful about that story is the idea that you can embrace it. What do you think about that idea of embracing the ordinary, embracing the everyday versus feeling trapped or or feeling bored and, and frustrated with the ordinary?
1: Yeah, I think it's critical. And I mean, I'll answer your question, but there was that one Um, life where she was reunited with her cat which absolutely gutted me yeah because my dog just recently died and she was 20 which is amazing she was she made she had an amazing long life but the fact that um you know she was reunited with her beloved cat but you know that just reminds me that we lose things we lose people we nothing is forever and so your idea of embracing the ordinary or embracing what's in front of us or even embracing the hard stuff that comes our way like we have we what other choice do we have we don't have any other choices and there, you know working with a really good therapist can allow you to build really good mental muscle and mental fitness to um accept that and i think it's it's so so important that we um you know, not get on with it, but just really come to terms with the fact that what's in front of us is all that we have. And we have to make the most of it. And we have to embrace it. And we have to take charge. And there's so many people just recently speaking with people, oh, I, I, I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with it. Okay, so what are you, you going to do about it? There's only one thing you can do. Accept the feel, Go through the feelings. Don't brush the feelings aside. You know, Adam Grant, Um, just recently published an amazing article in the New York Times looking at languishing and um, how important it is to look at our feelings. And even here in Canada, the Canadian Mental Health Association is doing so much work to empower Canadians to think about and really accept their feelings, work through them. Don't brush your feelings aside, but um, you have to have a plan. That's key though, right? Like
0: that's really key because I think some people hear the phrase just accept things and they interpret that as, you can't feel sad. You can't feel angry. You should just move on. And I think it's really critical what you just said, Elena, which is you can accept the present state of reality, but you can still feel what you feel. And those things aren't mutually exclusive.
1: And don't forget that you're empowered to. You can make you can make you can make a, a you know a better day for yourself tomorrow. You have that in you, and you know part of my work that I do, and even in the research that I'm always doing, just I'm curious. You know, okay, so how do we take charge? How do we take life back, and how do we reclaim our well-being? And that is something that I will never allow anything or anyone to take away from me. And I also inspire people to also think about that too. Like we we are the owners of our own well-being and our own path. And it doesn't sound trite. Like um, this, this stuff is this stuff is very important. You know, you you have what it takes to build your path. So go do it. And know that if you need extra care, there are so many good therapists in Canada. There's so much mental health support. There's so many great resources which I'll share with everyone. I'll share with you, so you can share with your audience. Um, you're never alone, and you've got you've got what it takes. You've got what it takes to to reclaim everything. So hopefully, this resonates with people. I'd love to
0: know when someone comes to you and they say, "Ellen, I'm struggling with something, whether it's isolation, frustration, maybe they've lost somebody. What title might you recommend to that person? Or what are some of the titles you've recommended to people who are dealing with specific issues?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm... There's so many f- great free resources that are available. The Canadian Mental Health Association. You know, I always inspire, I always try to remind people rather, you know, if, check with your employers if, if maybe you've got benefits that you can use. Um, I know more and more organizations are doing a good job to thinking about how they all can support team member well-being. Um, I mean, where we work, we have the privilege of working for such an amazing place that uh, prides itself on helping Uh, team members. Very progressive on that front. Um, But I'd say check with your employer, check with um, the government of Canada has some great resources. Kids Help Phone is available. They also take calls and texts from adults. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're curious on reading stuff, um, there's so many great books. Uh, It just depends on the title. But recently, and this isn't a clinical psychology book, but one book that I just recently read, it was written by surprisingly Sharon Stone. And uh, we think of her as this glamorous Hollywood actor, but she's won something big. She's won something massive and she's a big philanthropist and she does so much good humanitarian work. Um, And she just recently wrote a book called The Beauty of Living Twice. And in that book, she reveals some horrific childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also had a major brain uh, aneurysm or a big stroke. Um, And her book really shows us um, great abilities of 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 comebacks and resilience and um, that's a really good book and a lot of people have actually read it after I've recommended it. So I recommend it to you and your audience as well. well
0: I'll definitely link to that in the show notes and I'll include a number of resources from Elena in the show notes too so that anyone listening can check out those websites that she's highlighted and mentioned there's so many great resources and I don't want anyone to lose out on those opportunities because many of those are free so you can easily access some some really helpful tools and you know reading about somebody's life like in this case Sharon Stone someone who's undergone incredible adversity they've overcome challenges i always find that really motivating because there's something about storytelling and sharing Real examples from somebody's life when they've struggled with something that inspires me to think, oh, well, if this person can make it through, I think I can do that too. But even something as simple as, you know, if this person is struggling with a particular issue. So I'm thinking recently I reviewed Lori Gottlieb's mini memoir. She's a psychologist and she ends up going to see a psychologist when she has a traumatic breakup. And she's struggling with some of the concepts that she herself has learned and considers herself an expert on. And there is something very reassuring about knowing that even somebody who's an expert can still struggle with their own thought process and working through some of their problems. And they can still fall prey to some of those bad habits like getting stuck in an anxiety loop and not being able to listen to yourself or Be honest with yourself. And I'm thinking as we look forward to seeing more people and to a post-pandemic life, which ideas about wellness do you want to hold on to or remind yourself of? What do you want to take with you from this whole COVID experience? What's valuable enough to carry with you to the post-pandemic era?
1: I love what you just said. And um, we all struggle. We all have something. And if you're not struggling, then I want to know who you are. Call me and tell me what's going <laughs> on because I want to learn all your, your secrets. Me too. You know, I, I, like I look at my own life and I've been very blessed and I've, I'm very privileged. I know that as a white female. Um, and, you know, it's important to be an ally to various communities. And I do that every day. Um, and I'm always learning and growing and being how can I be a better ally? Um, but I think we all have something. And life, we're not immune and life is challenging. And, you know, I was talking to someone and like, what do you have to worry about? You're so lucky. I'm like, "Mm, yes, I am. But when you strip all that away, we're all just, we're all the same. We're all human. We all have fears. We all have worries. We all have insecurities, which I have all of those. We all do. And I think this pandemic has really reminded me to just focus on me Mm -hmm. and not worry about, oh, are people thinking that I'm selfish? Forget about it focus on me, set up your own boundaries, stick to them, you know, find what works. Uh, And by that, I mean, there's so many trends and distractions and people with opinions, you know, focus on what works for you in terms of keeping well, whether you want to focus on your physical well-being or your mental health, or you want to give back to your community, or you want to indulge in nature, or you want to, you know, think about your finances in a different way. Just focus on what matters to you and, and, and just, Stick to a couple tricks or habits or, or you know tips. Um, learn, grow, and um, just just keep your eye on 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 what it means for you to keep well. And that's that's what I'm taking from everything, and that's what I'm taking through my reflections on life to this date. It's my birthday in a few weeks. I get reflective around this time, um, and um, yeah, and I and I encourage people to also think about that as well. And I think we just have to focus on um, not measuring ourselves against standards. But the thing with these standards is that they actually come from within. Mm -hmm. I was just speaking with someone who's worried about not having graduate school background degrees or whatever. And I'm like, but who are you measuring yourself up against? And who's making you feel this way? Well, no one. It's just in my head. Okay, so feel it. Go through it. Grab a piece of paper and pen and and write out what you want to focus on to keep well. And um, it sounds silly, but it just goes back to down to basics, and um, these are exercises that we can all take part in, no matter if we're a accredited psychologist or if we're the prime minister of Canada or, I don't know, some high executive. And yeah. At the end of the day, we really are all humans, and we all have the same needs.
0: Well, the example you just gave, actually, of becoming aware that some of the comparisons that we might make for ourselves— are often coming from within they're stemming from our anxiety or our fears you know and i've had a few conversations about this topic recently and i won't you know disclose the people because it was personal but they both perceived that they were being attacked or they were being bullied or persecuted and i wanted to ask them oh well can we talk about specific examples like uh, who who is it that's that's, that's saying these things to you. And in both cases, it was, for many years ago, it was a memory of something that had happened to the person decades ago, In some, in one case. And nobody was currently bullying the person or saying these things, but they had internalized these messages of unworthiness and anxiety. And it was sad because I think we can torture ourselves that way. We can take on these old ideas, even from childhood, because that's when we're often vulnerable. And if we're not careful, we can perpetuate it on ourselves. We can speak to ourselves so cruelly. And I think having self-compassion is so key. And being aware, first of all, that you're doing this, right? Because you can imagine there's a lot of people who are walking around with this narrative or this voice in their head saying, you're not good enough, you don't have a master's degree, you don't have enough education, you're not going to achieve your dreams. But they're not even aware that they're saying this to themselves.
1: What do you think about that? You you bring so many things up that are just so important. And I think, yeah, we all have some sort of trauma or some sort of PTSD. We all have all experienced something that has scarred us. And I don't believe that there isn't something that's... We've all gone through something. Mm -hmm. And I think... I think we just internalize this narrative and this script that it becomes dangerous. Um, and that's why it's so important, you know, as as all of us, like, it's just so important to pick up the cues Um from those that are in our lives, and um, there's so so much good stuff happening in Canada specifically around that. Um, the Mental Health Commission of Canada, if, if anyone's interested, costs about two hundred dollars. It's a good investment. We all go and take CPR courses, but I think maybe um, we can even put those dollars two hundred dollars towards mental health first aid training. So just pe- you know, picking up the signs, and a lot of people don't even know that they need help, and. Uh, won't reach out there's someone in my life that um, I I know something's happening and so I've reached out many times we had a very frank conversation just recently and same thing it's it's those it's those self-told stories that have trapped this person and um, they feel that there's no way out and there's no alternative for them which they're wrong that they're wrong and so it starts with again identifying you know where is this self-talk coming from why is it happening and um, again it's it's all it's very natural but when it becomes debilitating and when it paralyzes you and you can't move forward you need help um, and I think it's important and it's it's a call on all of us to to look out for each other um, but you're right I think I think I think that uh, it It becomes very dangerous and quickly when we start believing the things that we tell ourselves and we're so hard on ourselves. We're so cruel to ourselves and it's dangerous. And so I think, I hope that this time here of recent time um, has inspired us to think about um, how we want to make tomorrow better for ourselves. Yeah.
0: I really want to carry that through to the post-pandemic world. Um, If we ever get past it, I know sometimes it feels like it's going to be forever, But one of the ideas that you brought up a moment ago is writing down thoughts, and and that's related to cognitive behavior therapy. I know that's a popular practice. What's a practical idea or piece of advice that you would give to listeners that they could apply today when it comes to their mental health? And maybe let's imagine someone who doesn't feel ready to reach out to a therapist or talk to somebody, but... They know that they're suffering. They know they could probably use some help. Is there a specific practice or resource that you think people could start
1: with? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I'm not an expert. So the advice that I'm giving is based on observations and research that I've read or trends that I've seen and, and best practices from my own experiences with a therapist or what have you. But I would say, ask yourself, where is this self-talk coming from? Like, what? why is this happening and maybe you can't even answer that, but, you know, allow yourself to even j- jot down the questions. And I, I always feel that when you see things in writing, it uh, becomes easier to see it on paper and you're like, geez, I, I either have a problem or I have an opportunity. So I would say, catch yourself, catch yourself when you're asking yourself these hard questions or when you feel that the anxiety is taking over and I, I'm, there's no stigma here. I have a therapist. She's amazing. I'm not telling anyone her name because I don't want her to take on more clients, just joking. <laughs> I can give you her information. Um, she's amazing, and she's like, anxiety just wants your attention, and it's dangerous because it just it's it it feeds off of your energy and all the energy you put towards worrying. So think about where these questions are coming from. You know, is there something that you can immediately take control of? But people who are down a really hard path, I don't even think can ask themselves these questions so again it's incumbent on it's incumbent on all of us to see okay look something's going on this person seems withdrawn or off or you know short so reach out and even just reaching out helps people know that they're not alone and you know just proactively try to offer some guidance on where to go for support so I've done that in the case of that I just told you about um and um let's let's see what happens next but um I hope this answers your question as well. It does. Thank you so much.
0: I think that's inspiring to think about, you know, even if we are feeling like we're not the best company these days, because maybe we're feeling a little bit lonely or stressed or sad, reaching out to somebody else who you might consider even more isolated, or even maybe, maybe you don't think they're isolated, but maybe that person just really could use some company. I think that's so meaningful and, it's very uplifting because it has the added benefit of taking us out of our own problems even just for a few minutes and we're reminded we're not alone and actually we have quite a lot of power to help others
1: we do we yeah. do. And, and even if we share, even if we think about our own person, you said something earlier about, you know, our own personal stories or our own personal abilities to overcome challenging times, share it, you know, put it out there, start a blog, go on Instagram, have Instagram lives. share compelling posts, you know, and you made me think of something like there were some really dark, hard times over these past 18 months. There were also very hard, dark times before the pandemic in my life. Mm-hmm. But I just recently past month and a bit, my whole outlook has changed. My mood has lifted. I, do I attribute that to my amazing roses and peonies and everything that's growing? Yes, I do. Because it gave me something <laughs> to look forward to. But it, but it gave me all like my garden and being in nature. I live on a provincial park. Mm-hmm. All of that amazing stuff gave me something to look forward to. And it gave me something to enjoy. And so... If there's something that you enjoy, just do it and um, think about, you know, g- give yourself some small, short-term goals. Uh, um, you know, if there's if there's something that you've been meaning to read or learn or try, just set yourself some goals and give give yourself something to look forward to. And it's those small wins that together um, help us uh, accumulate to uh, to to better um, well-being. There's science behind this stuff, yeah. so uh, stick so stick to what works for you. Well, I'll give out an example.
0: I've been growing some of the seeds that just happen to be in my cupboards just for fun, just to see if they'll turn into microgreens. So far, I've tried sunflower seeds, lentils, beans. I tried popcorn, believe it or not. Even though it said it was expired on the container, it worked. Um, It's a lot of fun because you have to put in a little bit of work, but there's something magic about watching things grow. And I live very high up. I live on the 17th floor in a building in the city and it it feels great to still be able to grow something and ultimately to eat it even. So that's a lot of fun and that's very rewarding. So that's my own example.
1: I love that. I love that. I'm working on a new project. I'm writing a book and I'm writing a book on, I'm going to be borrowing heavily from research in eco-psychology, horticultural therapy. And I want people to remember what nature taught us Recently, I want people to be inspired to don't forget about nature. I love that even in your background, you've got these gorgeous plants. Um, and I really want to give people insights and tips and ideas on how to keep bringing nature into our lives. So, everything you just said is remarkable. And you can, it doesn't matter where you live, you can live in a high rise, you can live downtown Toronto, you could be in Vancouver, you could be anywhere. Um, you can bring nature to us. And I'm hoping to explore some some examples of, you know, What if I don't have nature around me? So interesting, interesting um, ideas around savoring and a whole bunch of good things. So a whole bunch more to come. But I I love that you just gave those examples because they totally caught my attention.
0: Oh, I'd love to hear more about as you work on this. um, This sounds like a great topic. So let's chat about it again. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Elena. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate your time. And I'm, I look forward to sharing the resources that you mentioned.
1: No, oh, thank you for having me. And uh, I absolutely love your podcast. I think you've got such an amazing voice. And thanks for having me thank on you. and uh, looking at some books and talking about well-being. Um, it's, it's an important topic that everyone has, um, yeah, I think re- reimagined what, what it means for all of us. And I, I hope people continue to reclaim their well-being and keep well.